Hello and welcome to Main Sports Today. I am your host, Adam Robinson. We are back after about a month of no podcast, not a lot of writing. I've uh, been going through some stuff, hurt myself, um, can't walk well, and uh, so I haven't been covering things, been busy, uh, but no excuses, you know. We're here, we're back, and we've got a real good show for you. We have coach Chris Markwood of the University of Maine men's basketball team. Um, kind of an up-and-coming program, had one of their best seasons since I think like 2012 or 2013 last year, and look to kind of capitalize on that. I talked to Chris Markwood uh, last Sunday, and that was before both their games with uh, UNC Charlotte and then University of Maine Presque Isle yesterday on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Thursday. Uh, so they're one and one big old win against UMPI and... Um, a loss against Charlotte. So we will get into the team with him, kind of talk about the new guys, a couple freshmen, including Logan Carey, who had, I think, 23 against UMPI. Good uh, coming out party for him. And then a few transfers that are coming in. And then we talk about Kellen Tynes, the American East Defensive Player of the Year. I thought he should have been one of the, you know, all defensive team guys at the end of the year for the whole country i mean he led the nation in steals steals per game all that good stuff so we get into him and and what he's been working on this offseason what to expect heading into the year and uh chris also shares some thoughts on uh the tragedy that happened a couple weeks ago here in lewiston that's where i am um that the the mass shooting that claimed 18 lives i've written about it on my Substack. And I've written about the shooting kind of through sports. I, I use the Lewiston and Edward Little football game and the Lewiston Camden Hills boys soccer game, the Class A regional final in which Lewiston won one to nothing earlier this week. I went and covered that. I wrote about that game. I have uh, videos and photos and a and a long story on my Substack. The Sun Journal also wrote about the game, um, so you can check those out. It's just mainsportstoday.substack.com, I believe. Um, I wanted to talk about the shooting real quick, but maybe I'll just save that for the end and what it's meant to this community. But also, on this episode, in, with, after Mark Wood, we have uh, Tanner McGrath of the Action Network. He wrote a big ol' American East preview, men's basketball preview. Huge, humane guy. You will we'll get to hear his thoughts on the University of Maine team this year. And Vermont, loves Vermont also, and he will also give his thoughts on any teams you should watch, any players you should watch. It's a really extensive preview, I'll link it in this description for the podcast, go look at his stuff, he also does a lot of gambling stuff on college basketball, football, NBA, whatever you want. You know, he's he's watching a lot of different sports and, and he knows his stuff especially with American East basketball so I thought that that would be a good addition to this humane centric podcast and so yeah two really great interviews first I guess we can just jump right in to Chris Markwood's interview and then we'll have Tanner McGrath so I hope you enjoy okay so we now welcome on Chris Markwood the University of Maine men's basketball head coach Chris, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, of course. Uh, you know, I want to ask you a bunch of different questions. You had such a uh, 
a strong season, a bounce back season for the program last year. Uh, year two, how's the preseason been going? You have some some new freshmen coming in, a couple of your guys. Uh, how how's the team feeling right now? Yeah, I mean it's been going well. The guys have been working really hard. Uh, you know, trying to get ready for the start of the season. Uh, you know, as you alluded to, you know, we got. Uh, we returned 10 guys, six of our top seven, but we also brought in uh, seven new guys, six scholarship guys in a walk-on. So uh, still a lot of new faces. We try to uh, work into the mix and try to get everybody on the same page. So, you know, that's really what we've been focusing on for the last, uh, uh, you know, month or so, a little bit over a month in preseason and back into the summer is just, working the new guys in, trying to get them caught up to speed, and then obviously having our returning guys trying to help them take a jump so we can be, you know, put, put forth a better project on next uh, this year as well. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, you know, covered you guys last year with the Bangor paper. Um, you guys could uh, do a lot of different things, and, and Jaden Clayton and, and Kellen Tynes are two of the, the guys that make it go, and you don't have Getty anymore. So, yeah. you know, how are you filling that spot with, with a couple of the new guys? How are they, a couple of the freshmen looking so far? Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, as you know, Adam, watching us last year, Getty was a big part of it, had a great year for right. us. And, uh, you know, big big shoes to fill for sure. I don't know if you have one specific guy that's going to take on uh, all of that weight, but uh, I do think – Collectively this year, there's just uh, a little bit more depth across the board, a little bit more versatility. So, uh, you know, with the, with the new guys, you know, you mentioned we got two new freshmen. Uh, Logan Carey is coming to us from St. Paul School, down really, really kind of high-level, high-academic school down yep. in New Hampshire. Um, and he's like a 6'3 combo guard, got a great frame, strong, athletic uh, you know, in the mold of like a, you know, a, a Jaden Clayton and a Kellen Tynes in, in, in the way of, you know, can dribble pass and shoot, can play on the ball, can play off, really good defender. So he gives us another two-way guard that we're really excited about. Um, you know, he's a freshman, so he's working through it right now, but he's had a great preseason and he's been going up against some, some pretty good guards on a daily basis, which is only going to hopefully speed up his learning curve. And then, the other freshman is Isaac Bonilla, who's coming to us from Bradford Christian out of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, it's a really strong prep school in Massachusetts. Uh, played for the same coach with Bradford Christian as well as the Mass Rivals, which is one of the top AU, pro- AAU programs on the East Coast. And he's kind of like a six-two guard, uh, more of a more of a wing per se, just because he's a he's got a he's a really really good shooter. Uh, you know, I thought coming out of the out of New England last year, one of the top shooters in this region. And, uh, you know, obviously with losing Getty and just continuing to need to add more shooting, you know, he was a priority for us. So, uh, and he, he's had a great summer in preseason as well. You know, he's got a little bit of a younger frame that we're going to try to put on a little bit of muscle and, and yep. get his body ready for this level. But he showed some great signs as well, both, you know, all, all through the summer and the preseason. And then, on top of them, we added four transfers. Um, yeah, that yep. that we're excited that we're excited about. All guys that I think are ready to you know step in and help us, and um, you know you know kind of have an immediate impact in our program in terms of kind of filling some of those holes or needs that you have with with some of the guys that left after last year. So, um, yep. you want me to run through those guys as well? Or? 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna ask. I mean, I have a million questions, like I said. So if you're yeah. if you're on a run, I know a couple of your transfers, like Cisse comes from a New York school, right? And yeah, um, yeah, you, you shore up kind of your your front court. So yeah, run through those yeah. transfers and, and what you're excited about. Yeah, yeah, we'll start with with Adam Cisse. You know, I think he gives us a, a totally different look than what we had last year. He's a big six ten, uh, athletic uh, front court guy can really move. Um, you know, I think defensively he gives you an immediate impact. Uh, you know, just a, a big physical guy who can really get out in Boston coverage and keep the ball out of the paint. Also gives you a rim protector. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in that side of the ball. So uh, the nice thing about having him is, you know, he's six ten, so he can guard the bigger front court guys in our league or on our non-conference schedule. But he also uh, can guard, you know, can really move his feet and guard undersized guys, which you're going to see a lot in our league. So yeah. uh, I think he gives us a ton of versatility. And you add him with the Christian Firebirds mm-hmm. and just get more, you know, Christian's kind of the, the Euro, really skilled, high IQ, perimeter big. And then you throw Adam in there, he's more the big physical guy that can kind of handle that that side of it too. So there, there's a nice combination there. And then, you know, you have Milos behind them as well. So I think we got a nice combination through our through that spot. And Adam gives us just a ton of versatility uh, both sides of the ball. He also can score the ball in the post with his back to the basket and can do some things in terms of putting the ball down on the deck. So, no, we, we, we're really excited about him. Just uh, He just brings a different element than what we've had uh, previously. Yeah. No, I'm really excited because um... – if you were to find a deficiency, I guess, in your your team, you 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 know, not a lot of size. You guys made up for yeah. it. You guys worked um, the you know the plans worked, and you you made up for it. But kind of less size than some of the teams you may have seen last year. So yeah. Um, yeah. excited to see how these uh, transfers come and and help out yes. down there. Yeah, exactly. So you know, he's the one front court guy we brought in, and then. Uh, we brought in three kind of wing, versatile, long wings that all have the ability to put the ball in the basket. You know, uh, Keon Burns is a transfer from from Long Island University. Who, uh, is about six 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 seven, really long. And his wingspan is probably six nine or longer. Um, but a guy that actually has a little bit of familiarity in Maine. And he spent one year at a postgrad at Lee Academy. So, okay, um, but. Uh, He's he's just a really versatile kind of big wing. Can play the three, can play the four, uh, but can really score. You know, averaged eight, eight points a game as a sophomore at LIU. Had 18 in the game against a really good Towson team last year. Uh, you know, shoots it really well from three. Can put it on the deck and score in the mid range. Um, I think you know once he continues to learn our system defensively, uh, gives you a ton of defensive versatility with that size and length, being able to guard smaller guys and longer. You know, front court guys. So, uh, I'm really excited about his versatility, his ability to put the ball in the basket right away for us. Um, so he's he's one of the big wings, and then AJ Lopez is a kid transferring in league from New Hampshire. Um, yep. You know, somebody that I, I've recruited. I recruited him while he's in high school twice because uh, he ended up going to a post grad. So we recruited him. You know, when he was in high school, and then when he went to the post grad while I was at Northeastern. Um, and then he played at UNH under Coach Browner, who's on our staff. He's got a great relationship with him and, and his family, too. So, uh, you know, those are some of the ties that allowed us to kind of us to get him here. And he's another guy, you know, he's a redshirt, he was a redshirt freshman at UNH last year. 
uh, didn't play a ton because they had brought in a bunch of, uh, you know, they had some older guys on their roster, whether it was guys that had kind of matriculated through over their four years at UNH or they brought in a couple grad transfers that ended up playing above him last year. Uh, but he's a kid, another wing, a guard. he's more of a guard than, than a wing, you know, he's really good with the ball in his hands, he's playing ball yes. Another guy that's just just kind of knows how to score the basketball, you know, I think he's going to really turn some heads this year just because mm-hmm. he's got a, just a natural, unique ability to, again, put the ball in the basket. Um, and he's got great length, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, with like a 6'8", wingspan. Um, so, you know, and I think, too, with him, he's got a ton of upside defensively. He, both those guys are still learning our system, so it's going to take a little bit of time defensively. But, you know, I think both those guys got a ton of upside for us defensively. And, and, and once it starts to click for them, they're going to bring a lot of versatility for us on that side of the ball. Um, and then Okai Jam Goose is a kid from Drake yeah. that we brought in. Yeah. Kiffin Drake, he brought in, can really shoot the basketball. You know, shot 50% from three last year at, at Drake. Uh, he was kind of like the eighth man in the rotation on a team that was essentially a top 30 team in the country last year. So, um, you know, again, just an older guy who's, you know, he, he, he never really had a huge role at Drake. Last year was the biggest role he had. Um, you know, he was kind of a younger guy on one of the oldest teams in the country. Uh, their average age last year was like 24 or 25. And he, <laughs> even though he's graduated, he's like, a, you know, he went into college young. So he's still, after four years of college, he's only 21 years old. So, um, you know, he kind of got caught up with on a really good team and just was never able to carve out a huge role, but was always able to help. And, you know, excited to see kind of what he brings to the table. So, um and then uh, the only other guy we brought in, we brought in Bryce Lozier, who's a, uh, you know, a local yes. guy. A lot, a lot of main people know. He's transferring back to us from St. Anthony's, and uh, he's been a, he's been a great part of the program and practicing hard every day, and, and really enjoying having him around as well. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's like, there's quite a few guys like AJ and Okai. Uh, when the recruiting stuff was happening last year, and then when you guys announced it finally, a, a lot of people were really excited about those guys because they can score and score from different spots. Um, yeah. So how, how are you guys kind of handling, you know, you had a kind of a good thing going last year. How are you handling kind of mixing up the rotations, especially it seems like at the guard spot, because Jaden and Kellen had a lot of, had a lot of time at the one and the two switching back, I guess, right back and forth, but adding yeah. um, in some new guys, how are you guys handling the rotation stuff? Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. I mean, that's, that's going to be an ongoing uh, process for us. I do think, uh, you, you know, we just we definitely have more depth uh, across the board. So figuring out what the rotation is going to look like, you know, who's going to be able to produce and who you can trust when the lights are on uh, are all things that we're, we're still, to this point, trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're going to have to utilize in our conference with. You know, I think, uh, you know, Jaden and Kel obviously uh, had great years for us, and you kind of know and trust what they can give you on every given night, you know. And right. um, I think these new guys, we're going to feel the same way about them here pretty quickly, but you just haven't seen it in your system uh, with with the rest of our roster. You haven't seen them do it yet, so... You know, as we kind of work through these first few games, hopefully we have a really uh, strong sense of, of what, what the rotation is going to look like. Obviously, we're rolling out there tomorrow night and we're going to play uh, 
a lot of these guys. I expect a lot of them to, to have big roles, but uh, you know, part of how much they end up playing is going to be dependent on you know their their ability to execute on both sides of the ball and um, you know help the team win games. You know, so we're we're going to kind of figure that out as we go. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about Kellen Pine because I mean everyone now that follows your team knows that. Um, and I guess across the country now, know know his name for his defense, uh, yeah. a national leader in steals. Are you uh, expecting anything different offensively from teams to try to get around what Kellen How's you know how's he looking heading into the season? Because a lot of eyeballs are going to be on him. Yeah, I mean he looks tremendous. I mean you know Adam, he, he's a he's a big time competitor. Oh yeah, uh, he, he loves to compete um, and. On both sides of the ball, definitely, obviously, defensively, he's got the innate ability to really, uh, you know, shut opposing teams down, uh, shut the best player down. Obviously, he gets a ton of deflections and a lot of steals, which is well-known and well-documented. Um, so he's continuing to look great on that side of the ball. And I, and, and I think low-key, you know, it wasn't talked about a lot just because he was so good defensively last year. But yeah. he, he, had a, mm-hmm. he had a great offensive year for us, too. Yes, he did. Uh, if you look at the numbers, he ended up, you know, averaging double figures and, and had some really big games for us. So uh, excited to kind of see his growth there because, you know, we're going to need him to do a little bit more offensively than he, than he did last year. And, you know, if you look at his, you know, where he came from at, at Montana State to what he did last year, he took a huge jump. And, you know, he's going to be in a role where, you know, we're going to let him go a little bit offensively as well. You know, the way we play, everybody touches the ball. Everybody has opportunity to yep. score. We're just – we're looking for all five guys on the court to make the right play. Um, but but I do think you're going to see him be a little bit more aggressive within our flow and, and, and take another jump on that side. You know, he, he, played, in the, um, he played for the under-23 national team in Canada this, yeah. this summer. And, and I think that really helped. Uh, you know, he was coming off a great year with us. He, he made that team, ended up starting every game for that team in the summer. Had some really good games. I think that just continued the the confidence growth that that we saw at the start of last year. He just when he came back from 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 that uh, uh from that event with the national team, you could just see the confidence kind of just pouring out of him this summer. So excited to see the the the, the year and the jump that he makes this year. Yeah, I mean you don't have to spend too much time on this. You just kind of touched on it, but I I've always hear like NBA coaches and college coaches, if they have a kid that gets pulled on to like the USA team or the international team and they go play a big tournament and they come back and it seems like they, they kind of learn a little bit from that yeah. little time away with the national team. I mean, what, what did you see kind of growth wise from Kellen from when he played for the, the U23 Canada team? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I mean, the coaches he was playing for, he, you know, the head coach of that team is a longtime NBA assistant coach. They had other NBA assistants on there as assistants. So just, just the kind of wealth of knowledge that he got to kind of soak up and be around for, you know, the three-week experience or whatever, however long it was. Uh, and so that combined with the competition, the type of guys he was playing with, as well as the teams they were playing against. Um, you know, I just think that whole combination, just anytime you're around it, you know, the coaching and the level of competition, you know, it's only going to help you get better. So, you know, I think just, just some little, you know, obviously some little nuances to the game when you're, that you're taking, whether it's defense or offense from NBA coaches that are, you know, paid a lot of money to coach the game at the highest level and know the game at the highest level. 
uh, you know, I just think a lot of that stuff really helped him and going up playing Kentucky twice in a, in a two-week span, you know, and holding his own. I think anytime you just have those experiences, it's you're going to yeah. take a lot from it and, and feel a lot better about yourself, especially when you when you perform the way he did, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. Um, all right. So just, I mean, one or two more questions here. Just is there, you know, second year for you at the helm? Um, you have a lot of returners, like we like we talked about. Um, do you do you sense uh, a different feeling coming into this year too? What have you learned? I mean, how are you yeah. feeling as a second year coach? Just what's the vibe coming into this season? Yeah, you know, no, obviously, I mean, uh, I feel good. There's always going to be an anxiousness there to the start of the year, uh, but there, there's no there's no doubt. You feel a little bit more comfort knowing that you finally been through it at least one year. Yeah. Uh, you get into a little bit of a, more of a routine, you know, a little bit more of what to expect. Um, I think the great thing about this job, though, is or any anytime you're coaching any sport, like every year, even though you might have a good number of returners coming back, it's still always a new team. You know, like yeah. even if you got a lot of guys returning, their expectations and their own agendas from one year to the next always change drastically. So, uh, you know, every year you got to kind of rebuild it regardless of how many returners you have or not. And, uh, you know, with us, you know, with seven new guys, uh, you know, it's, it's actually a bigger number than we had the year before. So even though we were all kind of new at it last year, now you're you're bringing in, we brought in five guys last year. Now you brought in seven. And you're trying to do that whole thing again. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's great. I, I, similar to last year, we got a great locker room. we got great young men. They're they're a lot of fun to coach. Um, so that that you know I wake up excited with a smile on my face every morning coming into work to to work with these guys. So yeah. uh, you know I, obviously just there's a lot of excitement there heading into year two. Um, there's obviously always going to be a lot of you know some nerves just because you're, you're anxious to kind of see what the group is going to be about as we build sure. it. The un- a little bit of the unknown every year. Um, but, but overwhelmingly, it's just excitement and, and ready to get going with this group and see uh, what this journey is going to look like. Yeah. No, I mean, I know a lot of people that are really excited for the season and, and pulling for you guys. I know that last year was a lot of fun to follow along with, and, and a lot of a lot of people are, are ready to see you guys here for, for year two. Um, I, I, and this the last part is just not really a question. I just know that. Um, you have a couple Mainers now on the team, John Shays from Auburn, and we just had yeah. uh, down here in Lewiston uh, that that tragedy happened. Yeah, um, yeah. But I just wanted to say that um, you and a, and a few other coaches, I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot here, but you guys reached out, and uh, a lot of people have reached out to to us down here, and it it has meant a lot. And I didn't know if you guys had talked about it at all, you know, with, with a couple of mainers in the team and whatnot, but I just want to say thanks to to you guys for thinking of us. No, 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 definitely, and, you know, I wanted to, before we even get a chance, but I was going to ask how you guys were doing down there with, after every, after all the events that occurred, and yeah, we, we definitely talked about it as a team, you know, um, they, they had shut down school, so we, had, we initially had to do it over Zoom. Uh, yeah. and obviously was touching base with John Shea the whole time while, like literally while it was going on, because, right. uh, you know, his mom, his mom and dad were actually out to dinner that night in the area. So, mm-hmm. uh, I had reached out once the news first broke, it was going on while it was still happening. And I just reached out and he was kind of keeping us updated on 
you know, if they were safe, if he knew anybody that kind of was that was involved. So it was kind of obviously for all of us natives, it was a really scary situation, really sad situation, uh, unfortunate situation. Um, and you know, obviously us us up here in Orono feel. Uh, deeply for for everybody down in the, in the Lewis and Auburn area, and uh, I know it couldn't, you know, never, no one's ever going to fully get over it. But hopefully, uh, you know, people are are uh, you know working their way out of it in whatever way they they need to, and coming together to kind of, you know, I know they're coming together as a community too to kind of help each other through this this grieving process. So. Uh, yeah, you know, hopefully they know that we we obviously were thinking about you guys, praying for you guys down in that area for sure. Yeah, no, you you um, you know, it meant a lot for you to reach out because you're down from from South Portland area, and, and it yeah. would be the same down there coming together as a community. So, um, thought that was awesome. So, um, thank you, Chris, for giving me a call and, and coming on the the show today, and um, can't wait to follow along with the season so thanks thanks so much my pleasure thanks for having me on Adam. all right so we will now welcome on tanner mcgrath of the action network tanner thanks for coming on thank you for having me on as a main resident i've been trying to get on the main sports today podcast for a long time so it's fine i'm happy it's finally happened yeah no i'm i'm really excited to have you on um this show i i told you before but we we spoke with coach uh, Markwood over at UMaine, and I figured who else better to have on than you, who I also mentioned wrote a, you just called it to me, a manifesto on, on the Action Network about America East basketball and a betting preview and futures and, and everything in between for this conference. Uh, so I wanted to kind of just jump right in. You You're a really big fan of this UMaine team. So what kind of things popped out to you when you were doing research for this and and what are you excited about with this Black Bears team? Yeah, so it's great to finally be excited about a Black Bears team after the last, you know, decade of just pretty much poor, lousy, kind of boring basketball. But this year, so to start with, when the America East markets opened, the betting markets opened. They placed Maine with the second highest odds to win the America East regular season when they are clearly the third best team, in my opinion. I thought it was ludicrous price. I jumped on it right away. It was 30 to one at Caesars Sportsbook. And there are a few reasons why I'm really, really high on this Maine team. The first is returning production. Uh, they bring back what? Five of their top six scorers, um, four of their five starters, one of the better backcourts. I mean, the backcourt combination of Kellen Tynes and Jaden Clayton is the most explosive and dynamic we've seen out of Maine basketball in two decades. And where that comes from is really Chris Markwood. And the way that Chris Markwood was able to transform Maine basketball in his first season was remarkable. I mean, this team looked night and day different from day one of last year's regular season. Right. And what I'm buying here with Maine at 30 to one, even though, you know, there are a couple of really good teams to overtake in UMass Lowell and Vermont is what Markwood can do in his second year with so much returning production. How much can these guys improve with another year under his tutelage? And 
I mean, look, the defense is really the calling card for this main team. They mm-hmm. were tops in the America East in um, defensive turnover rate between Clayton and Tynes. They were aggressive, forced turnovers at a high rate, and used that to get out and transition and score buckets. And they were just stifling all around. They finished third in defensive efficiency in the conference. So you know that with the returning production and the defense, the floor is really high. And what I'm hoping is that Mark Wood in his second year can take his group of guys who he all has now another year to coach and take them to the next level. The big question with Maine will be, I guess it's two questions rolled into one. How, where is the offense going to come from? How do they make meaningful strides on the offensive end? And right. the big part about that is going to be replacing GD Josepitis, who salvaged Maine's half court in last season. He was the only main guy that shot well from three. He shot over 40% from three. The rest of the returning starters uh, shot 29%. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of interesting transfers that could potentially replace his production. And I'm hoping that one of them steps up. And I'm also hoping that the backcourt of Tynes and Clayton just turn into a more efficient scoring backcourt. But the fact of the matter is, at this point, Maine is mispriced in the betting markets and the defense returning production and Markwood is going to keep them in the mix all season long. I think that they are an absolute threat to win the America East this year. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. You brought up a lot of really good points. Uh, I think it all starts with Kellen Tynes, obviously the, the lead country leader in, in steals. And I, I asked Markwood about, you know, what he, is excited about if, if I mean, he knows that teams are going to be zeroed in on him. And he brought up how Kellen got a lot of publicity for his defense. And I mean, rightfully so, but uh, it was his offense too, that, that was really, really crucial for UMaine. So I think you made a good point there that if without Juizapitis anymore, who you're right, bailed them out a lot, shot really well from three um, Kellen Tynes, I think will probably be, the centerpiece on on offense and mark would also said that he's going to give kellentine's you know more free reign to to kind of run the offense and i'm I'm also really excited to see that yeah and i mean you know tines what he scored 14 points for per game right a lot of his production came in transition you know he yep. used his 3.3 steals per game to score i think it was 1.2 points per possession in transition and him and clayton pretty much ran his his ball screen motion offense really well. I think it's more about maybe not being as aggressive, but being more efficient for those two. If they can put more balls in the basket, you right. know, everything's going to take a step forward. Yeah. And I, they, he talked about, uh, he has got, he's got a lot of transfers coming in and a couple um, guards that are coming in as freshmen who can kind of shoot, Isaac Bonilla and and Logan Carey is excited about them. Did you did you learn anything about the transfers coming in? Also, AJ Lopez from UNH is is now here. Someone who um, a bunch of guys on the on the coaching staff has have recruited over the years. So, um, did anything stick out to you about the the guys they're bringing in this year? That's that's kind of the problem. So, so I I like the group at large is is the thing, right? I mean, yeah. I think that. The Drake grand tra- grad transfer, okay, he, you know, as a career 47% three-point shooter, AJ mm-hmm. Lopez, 
is clearly a three-level scorer. He's six foot five, so he brings some length. Uh, Quion Burns, he shot 36% from deep last year. You mentioned Bonilla, uh, freshman Logan Carey. He is could you know come in off the bench yeah. to replace Tynes and Clayton as kind of a combo guard off the bounce. Definitely. The big thing, and I remember he was quoted in um, Blue Ribbon. Um, this is Mark Wood saying, I'm anxious to see who really fills Juicepitis' role. Yeah. We don't know who is going to step up, take those shots, take those minutes, and actually, you know, kind of put together points for us. Um, in the first few games, it seems like Lopez played pretty well, uh, didn't shoot great, but, you know, kind of got to the line all right. And, um, mm-hmm. Burns also played all right. Logan Carey put up 18 in their uh, D2 exhibition against Presque Isle. Right. We don't we don't really know who is going to, out of that group, is going to step up. But someone's going to. And there's enough talent, enough diversity among that group that we're going to see something. I don't know who yet. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And last year, when, when Christian Fierbergs went out for a few games, they... They really took a dip. He's he's one of their forwards. Um, yeah, just one for five against Charlotte. But I think that he is going to, you know, do a lot of that front court stuff, going to be the main guy there. And I think Peter Filipovich, I think, will also, um, if he can shoot the ball a little bit better, I think he's kind of talented on offense as well. I think he'll get a couple. I think he'll get some some pretty good production from them. But, yeah, I think the biggest question is, who of the new guys and transfers and freshmen are, are going to really step up for this team? We'll have what to I see. like about the two guys that you just mentioned, Firebergs and uh, Philip Povich, is that Maine, their aggressive defense last year left, left them a little bit vulnerable on the interior, where they kind of struggled to prevent interior baskets and kind of struggled to rebound a lot. And the problem was that you had to keep Juicepitis on the court because he was the only guy that could make shots. Now, Firebergs and Philip sorry, I struggle with these names sometimes. Oh, good. Yeah. No. Were above average post up players and they were above average post up defenders. So, added minutes for those two could really help on both sides of the court on the interior. And also, uh, Manhattan transfer Adam Cisse, mm. who is six foot 10 yeah. and had great rate statistics at um, for the Jaspers, even though he didn't get a lot of minutes. So, with Stepped up minutes for those three. I think you could see some of the interior offensive and defensive problems get solved. Yeah. I was really excited when, when CSA was announced as a transfer, just because they lack size so oh, much yes. last year. And, and I mean, you watched a bunch of the games too. They, they got around it and did things schematically to kind of hide their lack of size. But um yeah, that's that's going to be a huge guy off the bench, or if he gets into the starting lineup somehow. But um, yeah, just the added size will be big for them. Yeah, I mean, they just they were just a, a Mark Wood's a, a master schemer, and he basically just mm-hmm. used his aggressive guards to attack you at the point of attack, so you couldn't get the ball inside. But then when teams got the ball inside, well, then it was kind of a problem. Yeah, right. If you got to the if yeah. you got to the hoop, then it was yours. Um, all right, so that's a lot on you, Maine. I don't know if you had anything else. We kind of we we tackled a lot of it, um, but you have a couple teams in the the top echelon, and I kind of wanted to just start with Vermont, who 
I mean, everyone's trying to get at them to to win the conference. What do you like about Vermont the most? I know that there's there's a there's a lot to like about them, but uh, what sticks out the most to you? I you said it. There's so much to love about Vermont, but the one thing that you will see that is the absolute driver of the Vermont Catamounts this season is the inside-out offensive engine of Aaron Deloney and Matt Verretto. Deloney mm-hmm. is a firecracker of an offensive scorer. He's led the Cats in points per 40 minutes the last two seasons. He is just so dynamic, three-level scorer. He'll take you off the bounce. He'll get to the rim. And Verretto is... His story, first of all, his, his story is fantastic. He played one year of college ball at Delaware, and then he decided to give it up and spent three years at UConn getting his, like, uh, accounting degree and then with like yeah. five days left he threw his name in the transfer portal and becker came calling and he was a complete revelation he is a guy that can take smaller guys off the bounce in the interior he'll shoot the three he's really silky smooth with his shot and he's really he sees the floor really well which is huge to have a big man in becker's um like four out motion offense i can see that because then he can just whip it around right so those two uh, Vermont's had a lot of really good inside-out duos throughout the year. You can think back to Sorrentine Coppenrath, um, Shungu uh, Davis, Shungu Lamb, and now this is the new duo. They're going to be the driver, and they're one of the best we've seen. The key for Vermont is uh, those two are not the best defensive duo. Deloney, the, I interviewed John Becker for my Action Network America East preview piece. Mm-hmm. Becker talked about how Deloney's improved a bit as a defender. I'm not exactly sure. Now, what Becker did do is he brought in three transfer guards that are lights-out defenders. Uh, Shamir Bogues, Jace uh, Rockamore, and Brenton Mills are three half-court devastating defenders, and they have uh, Aliri Ayofalei, who is just probably the best interior defender in the conference, not named Max Brooks. Um, So you have a good combination there with those five. The question is if those guards can step up on the offensive end and cut and shoot as efficiently as Vermont's um, leaving guards did last year. Bogues looked really good against Merrimack. um, And Becker, it's unwise to doubt him. So I imagine he will have this offense running at full strength come conference time. But those are really the two things to watch. It's or the three things to watch. It's the Deloney, Ferretto, inside-out duo the defense of the incoming guards, and then how the offense progresses outside of Deloney and Verretto. Yeah, and they're the team to beat. I was just, I, I wanted to kind of remind myself of last year and on the road, UMaine lost to Vermont by 21 and then um, at home at the Cross Insurance Center. I think that was the the fabled game where the floor was put down incorrectly, so they had to wait like an hour to... That was to, the one. Yeah, to fix the floor, but um, Vermont won by nine, and I felt it was a little closer than that. And and it it seemed like humane kind of all season last year in Markwood's first season. They if they saw a team a second time, they they kind of adjusted and and were better for it after in the in the second matchup. So um, I'm interested to see the gap in game one against these two coming up when when conference play starts. Well. Um... Yeah, they did well. Um, Maine, look, Vermont's always going to be the team to beat. Right. And they're obvious favorites for a reason. They might be a little vulnerable at the top, but the problem is Becker's so good at bringing in guys, and he has a perfect kind of group of guys. 
Maine is always going to be a force against UMass Lowell, though, who is the second big favorite in the conference, and it's really championship or bust for them. They need to take a step forward, and they have they brought back everybody, so it's fine. But Maine was always um, competitive with them because Lowell has a turnover problem with Ayende yep. uh, Hakim and kind of those front guys. They 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 run a very interior based offense, so if you drive the lane like. There's going to be a lot of noise in there to turn them over. And Maine, with their aggressive turnover-based defense, turned it over, I think, 32 times in two competitions against them. They won once, and they came within five the second time. Yeah. The problem with Maine against Vermont is that Vermont is such a disciplined ball-handling team, and they never turn mm-hmm. the ball over. Right. So if Maine's ever going to beat Vermont, they'll have to step up on the offensive end. But, yeah, Maine battled Lowell well. And it's just hard to beat Vermont, man. Yeah, it's just really hard. They were they were a well-oiled machine, and you could tell that um, that's a program that had been doing it for a while. And you could tell that UMaine was kind of a first-year coach program kind of thing, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. Um, you you mentioned UMass Lowell, and they're up. They're also up in your upper echelon. If if you have anything, you you said that this is a win or bust season, and you said they bring everybody back. What do you like from Lowell? So uh, the analytics site, Bart Torvik, projected Lowell as the best team in the conference. They were the only one that did, but they did. And that was fair. Lowell returns three starters, seven players that averaged at least 10 minutes per game last season. Uh, Their three starters includes the league's best front court, Max Brooks and Kareem, um, Abdul Kareem Koulibaly, excuse me. Yep. And... um, they have a rock solid point guard and Hakim. They returned over 60% of their minutes, 66% of their scoring, all from a team that racked up a program best 26 wins last season. Mm-hmm. The thing to love about UMass Lowell is that interior duo of Brooks and Koulibaly. Yeah. On offense, they were impossible to stop on the paint. They scored 38 paint points per game. For context, that's 97th percentile of Division yeah. I teams. Right. Um Koulibaly is a guy that just, you have to double team him on the post. You can't stop him. On defense, Max Brooks gives you a shot blocking element that no other team in the conference has. Uh, Brooks finished first in the Am East in block rate, but Koulibaly finished second. So they were tops in the Am East <laughs> block rate. They finished 15th nationally in two-point shooting allowed and 18th in post-up points per possession allowed. The inside offense, you become a very efficient basketball team if you score efficiently inside and you don't let opponents score efficiently inside. And that's really what Lowell brings. Now, the thing about Lowell is I, I interviewed Pat Duquette for my piece, and basically he said, look, I'm I'm not trying to change much. We had a great team last year. I'm trying to tweak a few things to go from second place to first place. And his main thing is that if he wants to win the conference and get back to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. he has to play a home playoff game. Right. America East had the highest home winning percentage of any conference last year. It's impossible to beat Vermont at Patrick Gymnasium. Right. UMass Lowell somehow, some way, has to get to the top. They have to overcome the hump. They are the favorite, and they have the best chance of unseating Vermont. But there are really three main questions to watch out for with UMass Lowell. Okay. The first, can they defend without fouling? They mm-hmm. fouled a lot. They are very aggressive on the interior with their interior duo. So can they adjust those guys to the point where they don't foul as much because it's just really easy to get to the line with them? Mm -hmm. Two, 
as I mentioned, can they fix the turnover issue? I mean, here, here's a fun fact. Um, 302nd nationally in turnover rate. Lowell went 16-1 and one when Hyundai Hikim recorded a positive assisted turnover ratio and 10-7 and seven otherwise. There you go. Yep. Half, they're going to play fast. They're going to get out in transition. They're going to make some mistakes, but they have to fix the turnovers because that will sink you. And this is the most crucial question. This will decide if Lowell is an NCAA tournament team or if they sink to fifth in the conference. Mm-hmm. Can they avoid three-point shooting regression? Last year with their interior duo, they were able to pull the defenses in. And like I said, Koulibaly ha- had to have double teams. So they dished it out to the, the exterior and Lowell shot 38% from deep. That was like top 10 nationally. They were blistering. Yeah. But a couple of things with that. One, the website shot quality, which um, tries to estimate how teams shoot based on the quality of shots taken as opposed to whether they go in. Mm-hmm. They project that Lowell should have shot closer to like 30%. That's a lot of regression. Yeah. And even worse, between the losses of Evan Hammond, Alan Blunt, Mikey Watkins, and Connor Withers, the Riverhawks lost 62% of their made threes from last year. Yeah. They're going to have to make up a ton of production from the three-point line. They have shooters. Yuri Covington and Braden O'Connor are two guys that you have to watch out for, especially O'Connor. But if those three-point shots don't fall, defenses are going to sag into the interior, and they're going to be able to take advantage of uh, Koulibaly and Brooks without being scared of their three-point shot, and everything on the offensive end is going to fall apart. So, nice. look... They have a great shot. They have an amazing team. They have three of the best players in the conference, and they have the ex- most experienced team in the conference. But that's really what it all comes down to. They have to make their shots, and it's a make-or-miss uh, league for UMass Lowell this year. Right. Awesome. So we have Vermont. We have UMass. We talked about UMaine. Um, I do want to ask you real quick about Bryant and then maybe any other, like a- another single team that we should – watch maybe just because they'll be fun but Bryant uh has had a lot of things going on with them what were what were your takeaways looking into Bryant this year for the action network piece just for the sake of full discrepancy or sorry the sake of full discretion I hate Bryant I do not as a as a betting advisor do not bet on Bryant do not yeah. bet them to bet win the league. They are the most overvalued team in college basketball. And there's a couple reasons why. But the main reason why is Jared Grasso, who took a collection of talent that we haven't seen in this league in a long time and turned it into an eight and eight conference team. Mm-hmm. But Bryant is a transition on steroids attack, right? They run the floor, they get to the paint, and that's what they do. But the problem is, they threw the ball away 20% of the time and they shot 30% from deep. And when that offense wasn't working, that free flowing Iowa based offense wasn't working. Grasso never adjusted. And one of the big Mm. games that I always come back to is that regular season finale against Maine Yep, where they just continue to run into the teeth of a very stout, very aggressive turnover based Maine defense Mm -hmm. and just failed every time they shot in that game. I believe they shot 48% from two turned the ball over 14 times and lost by two. And Grasso just does not care to adjust. On defense, then, they run this like uber-passive zone defense that has yep. holes everywhere. Like, everywhere. the zone defense is supposed to take away like post-up and interior buckets, right? Mm. Well, you can shred them on post 
post routes, you could shred them backdoor. And then if you shoot from deep, like Vermont did twice, mm-hmm. you can shred them again. And it, it's just like Grasso's inability to change things when they aren't working that just makes me so mad. And then, of course, now Grasso had his incident, which I won't bring up here, where he's on yeah. leave of absence. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know if he'll be coaching. Right. So exactly. I don't even know what to make of that. Now, look, from a talent perspective, this is an incredibly talented team. And I think that's what the market and what people love so much. I mean, Earl Timberlake is amazing. Sharif Gross uh, Bullock is one of the highest usage, most efficient guards. He's a mismatched nightmare. Yeah, he was awesome. Doug, Doug Eater, his shot's going to come back probably. The, everyone loves the flash and they love the talent and they love what they bring to a very slow paced defensive base league. But I hate the coaching and the execution. Yeah. And it, it's just, they have a plan, they have a style of play. And when their style of play isn't working, they have nothing to fall back on. And unless they change something drastically in the coming season, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, no, I always go back to that last, that season finale game for you Maine they were picking up steam and um well they had plenty of steam behind them but that was when the the football team would started to show up to basketball games and they were really loud and they I think they got into Bryant players heads I know they got to Jared Grasso on the bench um and that was that was the defining win I think of you Maine season last year it was just it it seemed like the most important one to me going to the games but um yeah they just have so much they have a lot of talent. You could you could tell, but uh, the defense was easily easily scored on. So yeah, sometimes just- you have to you coaching is about making coming up with the best plan for your players. It's not about taking players and shoving them into a plan. And I keep thinking that Grasso and his staff are trying to shove everyone in the box of yeah. let's play like Iowa, and mm-hmm. you can't play like Iowa if you turn the ball over as much as they did. And if you don't shoot as well as, you know, as yeah. Iowa does. Right. Um, and, you, and you know what? Um, about that, that Maine win, you're right. That was the defining win of the season. And another reason why I love Maine is that Maine finished the um, season last year, seven and four down the stretch. Yeah. They have yeah. so much momentum coming into this year. I think mm-hmm. they're going to do it again. Yeah. No, yeah, they looked great. I, I, they, uh, they lost a couple that they shouldn't have lost and then they turned it around and caught fire. So um yeah it's just a really fun season to to follow uh i don't want to take too much of your time tanner just is there another team that you're really excited to just watch that we haven't really talked about yet or a player maybe how about i give i'll give you quick hitters on a few of the other teams in the conference sure. i go just one or two lines on each team um binghamton make sure you watch out for um syracuse transfer samir torrance guy okay. never played much in the acc but when he did he was one of the best pure point guards that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, he in the 2021 ACC tournament, he dished out 20 assists against Florida State and Duke. Across his 1,300 high major minutes, he has 220 assists to 93 turnovers. He, if he reaches his potential in a lower conference, could be a difference maker for Binghamton, mm-hmm. and that'll be absolutely huge. New Hampshire. Big thing to watch about New Hampshire is that new head coach, Nathan Davis, told me specifically that underneath him, they are going to run at the fastest pace in the league. They are no longer going to be at a snail's pace. They're going to run the floor. They're going to play fast. 
If you're a betting man, bet a lot of New Hampshire overs. They have a new Juco backcourt that'll hopefully speed up the process. And Clarence Daniels is still one of the best big men in the league. Watch out for that. Albany. um, Albany's a tough one. They have a lot of young talent. Um, If they have back-to-back all America East rookies on their roster, if Justin Neely and Jonathan Beagle Mm -hmm. um, work up to their potential, a big thing is Neely has to get healthy. Beagle has to play better defense and both of them have to shoot better. If all of that happens, look for a big jump out of Albany. I think they're a tad undervalued in the market. NJIT, Adam Hess is a firecracker. That guy is one of the best shooters in the nation. And one of the things that you get when you have a firecracker like him, and they also have another transfer in um, Elijah Buchanan from Manhattan who can shoot Mm -hmm. the lights out, is that Hess and Buchanan are going to catch teams on their off night sleeping thinking that they're going to get an easy win mm-hmm. and they'll take advantage and they will always cover the spread they'll keep it close for example as hess shot fire he shot like 45 percent from three in conference season the highlanders had a three-point loss to umass Lowell, an overtime win over me a one-point loss to binghamton mm-hmm. an overtime loss to new hampshire a two-point overtime loss to vermont a one-point loss to bryant and a one-point loss to new hampshire Watch out for NJIT in these weird sleepy spots. Yep. UMBC, I think, is in huge trouble. Um, I mean, they only returned 10% of their possession minutes from last year. Wow. All five starters are gone. Um, With them, they'll basically need Chicago State transfer Bryce Johnson to really step up and become the center point centerpiece of that offense. I know they played really well against Louisville. Louisville sucks. Yeah. Still gave up 94 points. They needed a late run just to get it within range. Mm -hmm. I think this is a complete rebuild for Jim Ferry. The good news for him is that all of these guys are transfers with multiple years of eligibility. So watch out for them in like two years. But for now, complete disaster. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, no, I remember the NGIT stuff with, with you mean, and you look at them on the roster and I mean, and on the schedule and you say, wow, it's, it's a whatever technical school. You, you should be, you should be fine. And you're right. They lost one of those, at least one of them. They might've lost two. Um, so yeah. All right, cool. Thank you very much, Tanner for, for coming on and giving us your expertise. Like he's gone through a bunch of numbers. A lot of that was off the dome. Uh, if you like all this stuff, he has um, five million percent more information <laughs> on his uh, his piece on the Action Network. I'll I'll link it and everything. But uh, Tanner, thanks, man. This is really awesome. Hey, thank you so much, man. This was fun. All right. So you just listened to UMaine men's basketball coach Chris Markwood and the Action Network's Tanner McGrath. He gave you a bunch of gambling stuff, which. Um, is now legal in Maine and in New Hampshire and I believe Massachusetts as well if you are nearby. And that was really great information about the whole entire league and, you know, great information from Markwood, uh, from the man himself on his team. I'm sorry the audio was kind of bad with my Markwood interview. It was over the phone and I believe he was traveling to get to the Charlotte game. But I think it came out okay, and I think you can still hear what he had to say. Um, I just wanted to finish this podcast with uh, a thank you. I I mentioned it in the Markwood interview, but he reached out uh, 
Uh, I'm obviously in Lewiston. I live about a mile from one of the places that was um, targeted and lost people at. And I live probably two or three miles away from the other place. I'm kind of right in the middle. And I was out at dinner less than a mile away from the from Schmengi's, the second place that was attacked. Um, I was out. I was leaving at about the same time he was getting there at Schmengi's, the the shooter. So um, scary time, scary time for all of us here. Um, but I wanted to talk about how the community has really come together, and I'm really proud of how Lewiston and Maine and the surrounding you know areas and people have reached out to everyone that needs help and the donations to victims families and families that have you know people that are still fighting in the hospital just got out of the hospital um the amount of money and support that has come through to help our people here has just been overwhelming um it was overwhelming getting all the text messages on that wednesday and the Thursday and Friday of people just out of state, out of country, um, in the state that I haven't talked to in a long time, it just meant a lot that you know people were reaching out to me and my family and all of us here in Lewiston during a real scary time. Um, I wrote about the Lewiston and Edward Little football game. It obviously had uh, James Taylor sing the national anthem. There was a moment before the game where we honored all the first responders that were you know a part of that whole couple day situation uh just a really emotional game it was you couldn't have you know it was kind of serendipitous in the way that Edward Little and Lewiston were playing their battle of the bridge that week and obviously we we're still in a shelter in place on that Friday so they pushed it back to the following Wednesday a week after everything happened uh, just a really beautiful night of kind of a community coming together and it, it was really beautiful and I know that people have their opinions on Lewiston and what we are and what goes on here but I hope that that game and and the response from the tragedy that happened has kind of reshaped people's view of what really is a beautiful uh, city with a a lot of different cultures and people and uh we're, we're, you know, we're, we're a community just like anyone else. And I hope that, um, you know, time's going to pass and the news stations will stop writing about it and stop airing news about it more and more. We're already starting to get into lawsuit season, um, with how the police handled whatever. I'm not even here for any of that stuff. It's, it's, it's hard, but, um, I'm really just proud of how this city came together and also, uh, I wrote about the Lewiston boys soccer team who just won the Class A North Regional Final against Camden Hills this past uh, earlier this week. I wrote about that game. I have pictures from it. Just an emotional, emotional night. The team knows kind of what they're carrying with this community. They played Deering on Saturday for the Class A title. It would be, I think, their fourth in less than maybe eight years or something. Um, I don't know right off the top of my head. I can't remember, but regardless that the team carries a lot. Um, and that's just sports, you know, the Lewis and boys soccer team has been written about quite a bit. Uh, Amy Bass has 
her book one goal who's she's turned into a good friend of mine and um she she's written about the community and what this soccer team means to so many and um i tried to encapsulate it a little bit in a game recap on my Substack as well if you wanted to go read that the sun journal wrote something about the game and the boston globe wrote a story about what soccer in lewiston means to this community um so many uh just so many different cultures and and people on that team and it's a it's a one big family no matter what who you are where you're from um the people in the stands and the lewis inside they don't care where you're from as long as you're playing good soccer and uh for a couple of nights these past couple of weeks we've gotten to focus on sports and that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast it'll be a lot more regular now my knee's getting a little better I can be at games now for a little bit longer um, I'm gonna get really into basketball in this this podcast and hopefully just give you a little bit of time to think about something else so I hope this was a good podcast for you please if you are if you have the means to do so, look into ways to kind of help this community. I know a lot of you already have, and a lot of people have, and a lot of companies have. But just send a text to someone you love and tell them you're thinking about them, and um, I will speak with you next time. Thank you. <laughs>